Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year to all of you, except for those on Patreon. You're excluded because you got to listen to this December 31st. Wow. You get to like see the future. Here's the future I can see. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. <laughs> I think we were on tour and there was one night where I couldn't go to sleep. So I literally turned on That's So Raven and watched the first episode. <laughs> I freaking love Raven Simone. But it's just not how I remembered it. Is it more corny? Well, it's super, super corny. But it, I just, I forgot that her fortune telling got her into trouble so much more. Every episode, right? Yeah. Isn't that basically the premise? And then she like dressed up as her mom in the first episode and like tries to talk to the teacher as her mother, but like clearly is not her. Oh my gosh. I feel like they used to make collections where it was like the best of... Almost like a, now that's what I call music, you know? Mm. Those old CDs where it would just be a bunch of different artists. I feel like we should bring that back for Disney Channel where it's just the pilot episodes of every single Disney show and you just watch them like back to back. So that's called um, Disney Plus or whatever it's called. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to have to go searching for all of them. (laughs) You mean you don't want to type in? You basically want it to like automatically go through. I want it to automatically roll. I want there to be a collection that says, what year were you born? And you click, I would click 1993. And then it would know all of the shows that I grew up in. And then I can just watch those. I don't have to search through Good Luck Charlie and all those other ones. I just get to what I need. Corinne, give me your login to your Disney account. And as a gift to you, I will create a watch list for you. Oh, and Thanks. then it will automatically play through all of them. And that's your dream come true. That is my dream. Disney, if you're listening to this, give me Disney Plus for free because all these subscriptions are stacking up, baby. I'm going to have to dump a few. It's so expensive. Everything is I got to choose who to break up with. Don't break up with me, though, okay? <laughs> you're not a subscription. <laughs> I'm insecure. You're a lifetime commitment. <laughs> You're stuck with me. (laughs) I did want to. Okay, so I have had this bookshelf, but I never get to record in this Mm. room. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to set up in here and I'm going to show off my entire bookshelf of items that for the most part came from listeners. I'm like squinting my eyes trying to see. I see Raggedy Ann because she's, or Raggedy Andy. Andy because he's very, he's quite large. And then you have the Bigfoot, you have the Bigfoot of this and the, the magnet hands. Yes. Yeah, um, I have Harrison's drawing. I have the beautiful oh, Harrison's drawings on my fridge. Franklin Castle drawing that Abby Moon. Gorgeous. I think Instagram is Abigail.moon drew for us. The frame broke, but the picture is safe. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite. Oh, I just dropped him. Oh. Mini Sven. Mini Sven. <laughs> we used both of our mini Svens to play. Well, we pretended that they were playing on the little mini Ouija board. And that's one of my favorite pictures from tour. <laughs> Before we gave it away, we were like, let's get these photos real quick. I feel like gave it away is not the right wording for that because it was more like we were scared of it. And so we needed someone to take it. <laughs> that's true. And I can't remember her name, but she was front row and she volunteered so quickly. Like before I even so got the sentence out, like, does anyone? And she goes, me, I'll take it. Yep. We thought we we were going to have to beg people. I also have a haunted object here because a listener... Again, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on names, but remember this is supposed to be haunted by a cat? Yes, the haunted cat figurine haunted by a cat. I have yet to experience anything with this cat. 
But I also did make a promise, Corinne. What's the promise? I said, what if we start recording with the REM pod on? My heart stopped. My breathing ceased. (laughs) Everything in my torso clenched. I'm kind of afraid of the REM pod because I'm just, I guess from being on tour and how often it went off, it just spooks me. Like if there's something there, I guess it's in your apartment, not mine. (laughs) Yes. The nice thing is it's in my place. And based on our framing, I don't think you'll be able to see it. Is it not just right behind you? Well, I haven't put it up yet. What's that black thing on the top? That's a candle. It's actually. Oh. Remember, so we've talked about, it's one of our sponsors, Laundry Sauce. I literally re-upped. I bought a bunch more because it smells so good. They have candles. Oh, wait, did you stay with Egyptian Rose, which we both had picked? So the candle is Egyptian Rose, but I've tried the pine, which is more of Mm. like a manly scent. And then I, there's like a French something that I have been using and I really like that. Ooh, tis the season for pine. All right. As you turn that on, I would just like to point out that Sabrina chopped her hair off and now she's bald. So if you're not watching <laughs> on YouTube, you should definitely go look. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Your haircut looks great. You're going to have another version of it next week. Yeah. I want more layers. So I'm going back today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can make them noise. Can you see it? I can. Okay, great. (laughs) Do you think anything will come through? I don't know. All right. Well, if there are any spirits with us tonight, tonight, hey, party. Tonight, morning. You can contact us through the REM pod. Basically, if you come near it, penetrate the bubble, it will beep and light up. Or if you like to um, change the temp in the room, which I would prefer you didn't because I'm already chilly. You can do that. Or maybe you could make it warmer if you have control of that. Oh, that would be great. That would be nice. Support with that. You can adjust the thermostat. (laughs) How about that's the version of changing the temperature? (laughs) Is there someone with us? Do you just like listening to the podcast? All right. Well, stay tuned. I feel like this is a great example of what happened to us on tour. It's like it would go off all the time when it wanted to. And then as soon as we asked questions, it was like, (laughs) never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Usually. I'm really excited for this episode because we're talking about tour quite a bit. And our very last stop on tour was Denver. And that is what we are covering today. All of Denver. A haunted hotel. (laughs) Specifically a haunted hotel in Denver. We promised we would cover this. I think we did an Encounters episode where we told everyone where we were and said that I was going to cover it in the new year. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It's the first episode of the new year. And so we're keeping promises this year. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to tell you all about it. And there's a lot more than we knew when we were staying there. I'm so excited. I spent like 45 minutes wandering around that hotel that night by myself. I took pictures. Like I took a selfie with the most haunted room. Yeah, you were a lot braver. You explored at night and I explored alone during the day. So yeah, we got different perspectives of the hotel. Will you give background into how we ended up at that hotel? Yeah. Well, I had a whole intro prepared, but I'm going to scratch that because we're already talking about it. Oh, no, I'll shut up. No, I want to hear your whole intro. Pretend I said nothing. It's not really that impressive. Okay, so I'm just saying... 
such a loser. Like, I learned what I was going to say. No, you wrote it. I, I want to hear everything uh, you wanted. You were going to say. So does the ghost. We just got into it so much quicker than I thought we were going to. Oh, I just got excited. Well, here's the thing. It was an exciting time. It was a tiring time because, Sabrina, you and I had just completed 33 shows. And so we were heading to our very last city, Denver, for our very final show. And when we arrived to Denver, we had... God, I don't know, like six hours to kill or something like that. So we were like, oh, let's go check into our hotel and rest a little bit, maybe record an episode. And so we got to the Brown Palace Hotel, which was built in 1892, and it was named after the original owner, Henry C. Brown. And it's super beautiful inside. Like we walked in and we're like, whoa, holy cow. It has an atrium in the middle. So it basically like there's eight floors. And so from all eight floors, you can look down and see into the lobby in this atrium. It's kind of like a like a catwalk, but it was never a jail, if that makes sense. It reminds me of like the Titanic or like a ship where you have like the balcony overlooking the center of the space. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <sighs> They're agreeing. Have you been to the Brown Palace Hotel? Did they die on a ship? Did you die on a ship? I know we're not supposed to ask about how they died. It is interesting because remember how I said I had this out for like two hours when I first got back from tour and it didn't go off at all. Yeah. But now we're talking about ghosts. It's when we talk about ghosts, it's the power of coming together. (laughs) Should I ask if it's Howie? The energy in the room. Yeah, yeah, ask. So we spoke to, I think it was Lindsay from The Chilling Podcast. And when we were speaking with Lindsay, Lindsay was like, I am getting a name of like an elderly man. And I think it's Howard. He goes by Howie or Huey, something like that. So my question for the spirit, if you are here, if you are Howie, Howard, Huey, would you like to touch the REM pod? All right. They're on their own schedule. All right. Anyway, the Brown Palace Hotel, Sabrina and I get there. We roll in. It's beautiful. And it's even more beautiful than it originally is. (laughs) What? This is exactly what happened when we were on stage. Every time it went off, I got so distracted because I'm like, ghosts, they're here. They're near us. And now there's proof. And now there's proof. anyway, they were gearing up for the holidays at the Brown Palace Hotel. So we walked in and it was stunning. They had this giant chandelier that normally is in the center of the atrium, like hovering over the lobby between all of the floors. But they decorated it with all these Christmas lights and put a bunch of like stuff over it. Like we couldn't quite figure out what it was, but it was like very, very beautiful. We check in. We go up to the fourth floor, which is where our room was. We shoved our stuff in the fourth floor room and then we hovered around the balcony because we got there just in the nick of time for their annual christmas it's like an annual christmas celebration where they there's usually like a charity involved and they stack five thousand champagne glasses into this triangle and then they have swordsmen there were two swordsmen wasn't it like a father and son okay and then they were training the daughter the daughter. The granddaughter. And then she was going to, yes, yeah. the granddaughter slash daughter. And she was going to take it over eventually. I think she was 16 
And so she could train. And you have to be 18. She couldn't do it legally until she's 18. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So there were these two swordsmen and they use these sabers and they slice the champagne bottles open. Yeah. These big champagne bottles. And then part of what was different this year was I think they like auctioned off or something who got to pour the champagne. Into the tower, like on the top of the tower to pour it all the way down. Yeah. They have like a, a little elevator set up to bring people to the top of this 5,000 glass champagne tower. It was so cool because we were not expecting it at all. And the hotel itself already, it's so historic and elaborate and beautiful that it embodies a Christmas-like feel already. Mm -hmm. But then to walk in and there's like a Santa, there's like jazz music playing, someone's playing the piano, and there's this tower of champagne glasses like it was just this really really beautiful holiday spirit that i think you and i were so exhausted that we it was so serendipitous the universe was like you need some joy here it is especially because we had wanted to do the high tea because they have a tea room which is basically just the lobby (laughs) but they do high tea and we were so excited and we're like oh my god we're gonna do it but then there were no reservations and so we were a little bit bummed but that's because this whole celebration was happening so that it all worked out. Yeah. But the Brown Palace, like you said, there's a lot of history. It's very famous, too. At the time that it was built, it was Denver's tallest building. And it's only eight stories tall, so it's very funny. Wow. But hey, it was tall. It was the second longest, or it is the second longest operating hotel in Denver. Wow. So it's never closed since being opened, despite going through a bunch of renovations. And it was also one of the first atrium-style hotels ever built. Oh, that's cool. I was kind of confused about the atrium-style building, to be honest, because my only experience with an atrium-style hotel like that is the Liberty Hotel, which was a jail that turned into a hotel. What about, like, we stayed at a bunch of, where's the place that we stayed at with Morgan and Taylor from Creeps and Crimes? Oh, like Embassy Suites. Like, a lot of the Embassy Suites have atrium-like hotels, too. But those do kind of feel like malls. Yeah. (laughs) They're not the same. (laughs) at all they're not grandiose no they're not (laughs) there were no like ballrooms and people hanging out lavishly but they do have the elevators that you can see for like on the inside like i get excited about those and they go too fast (laughs) it's like tower of terror in there for me so henry brown he wanted when he was building this hotel he wanted it to be the best hotel that he ever built. So he built a few other ones, but he was like, this is it. This is my time to shine. And so he spent a fortune to hire this architect, Frank E. Edbrook, to design it. And Edbrook, he designed the entire place in this Italian Renaissance style, but he also borrowed a lot from like the local red granite of Colorado. Oh, that's cool. He used a lot of sandstone from Arizona in the construction. So Even though it was this particular style, a lot of the actual materials involved in building are really local and kind of like pay homage to where it was built. That's cool. On the outside, this is something I didn't notice and I'm kind of sad we didn't know to look up. But on the outside, if you look up between windows on the seventh floor, there are carvings, which are original carvings from when they first built this hotel that depicts different animals, the different animals of Colorado. What? I missed it. That's so cool. <laughs> I know. Also, there was no wood involved in the construction of the walls or the floors. So they used different things like Mexican onyx and they would use these hollow blocks of terracotta and it made it the second ever fireproof building in America. 
No wood. No wood. No. I feel like imagine doing that now. I feel like it would be so expensive. They agree. Yeah. Too pricey. (laughs) Although wood's very pricey now too. The hotel also had some really notable guests stay on property. The unsinkable Molly Brown stayed there just a week after the Titanic sunk. (laughs) Wow. And the Beatles also stayed there. And I read that when the Beatles stayed there, they had to actually put a metal like fabricated fence around the entire property because people were so crazy. Like the fans were like, ah. And so for safety, they basically had to create a whole nother barricade outside of the hotel for the safety of the Beatles. Oh, speaking of metal, you know how there's a bunch of the kind of like black wrought iron. The railings. Railings, like on every single story. So apparently two of them were upside down when they were installed and they never fixed them. Oh my gosh. So you can find two that are upside down. It's like Where's Waldo, but inside the hotel. I know. That's so A little treasure hunt. I also heard that the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings, when they stay in Denver to play whatever, what's the Denver team? Ah, Broncos. The Broncos? Broncos. They stay at the Brown Palace Hotel. So many people do. We met up with one of our friends, Brian, who came to our show. And he told us, too, that like almost everyone who comes into town stays there. Am I making it up? I think Taylor Swift stayed there. Taylor? Well, he told us that. (laughs) None of the articles said that that happened. So I have no idea if that's true. But Brian told us that Taylor Swift stayed there. (laughs) So therefore, we believe it. And we stayed there. And we stayed there. And then a lot of other notable guests, celebrities, politicians have stayed there. William Taft, Harry Truman, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton. And also when the hotel first opened, you could have a room for $3 a night. Stop. (laughs) But it costs like over a million dollars to build. $3 a night. Yeah. Pretty wild. You can't even buy like a Snickers bar for $3. No, everything's way too expensive now. Jeez. Also, glad that you brought up football because here's another thing we missed while we were in there. There's so many little nooks and crannies and treasures and plaques and it's just impossible to see everything unless you're like really spending some time slowly going through every single floor. But apparently this is the birthplace of the Denver Broncos. And there's a plaque in the lobby that reads, in 1959, I feel like I'm going to butcher these these names, but I'm pretty confident we don't have that many people who are huge sports fans (laughs) that listen to this. So it is what it is. In 1959, Bob Housem and Lamar Hunt met for the first time in the lobby of the Brown Palace Hotel to discuss a new football league that Hunt was forming. It was here that Hausman agreed to own the Denver franchise in what would become the American Football League. From only four franchises, the AFL grew to the point of merger with the NFL and football as we know today. A royal beginning for the Broncos. That's cool. It is. They're talking shop in the lobby. And now the Denver Broncos exist. I love when like history intersects with history. Like this building is so historic in itself. And then history Mm -hmm. is being birthed within it. Like I think that is really, really poetic and beautiful. It is. It makes me wonder how many other stories like that exist. I'm sure almost like an infinite amount that we just don't know because people just talk about having meetings, but they don't always name where they were. It's true. I was also very excited to stay here because my mom told me, because my mom booked the hotel for us, she told me that there were bees and there are bees because since 2010, the rooftop of the hotel has hosted five colonies of bees 
which they started to help promote environmental health because it was an urban city and they were like, bring back the pollinators. And so these bees, they live in the colonies on the rooftop of this hotel, but they go out and they pollinate all of Denver. Yay for the bees. The ghosts love it. Yay for the bees. I did go to the rooftop, which is where they are supposed to be, and the door was locked. So I could not go look at the bees, Mm. but we could enjoy their labor because the honey harvested from these five colonies is sold in the coffee shop, so you can actually buy it to bring home. And they also use it in a variety of dishes in the four restaurants on site. And then they also have a, did you order this? There's a customized beer crafted by Denver Beer Company, and they use the honey from these colonies. I think I got an amaretto. Oh, you did? Okay. We went to that restaurant, the Ship Tavern. Tavern. We went to it twice. Yeah. The Tavern. But yeah, so if you go to the Ship Tavern, you can get the Brown Palace Honey Wheat, and it has honey from just upstairs. That's so cool. Also, the upstairs floors, I think there's two floors that don't have the... The seventh and eighth floor. Yeah, that don't have the atrium style. And when I was up there, it reminded me so much of like a YMCA pool. (laughs) That's so funny. It totally feels like that because of... Are you talking about because... The walls. I felt that way because the walls have those... Yeah. How do you even describe them? They're like tiles that are windows, but they're so thick and square and foggy and it's exactly yes. the tiles that would be between like the <laughs> the pool area of an indoor pool in a mm-hmm. gym and the locker rooms. I'm so glad you agree with me. <laughs> 100%. I'm glad you said that because I also thought when I was up there I was like this is so different but feels right. also familiar and I couldn't really figure out why. It almost felt like they added those two floors later, which I don't know if they did or not, but it was a strange yeah. You'll get to it, I'm sure. But one of the most haunted rooms is up on one of those floors. And I was like, I don't blame it because there's this weird like suffocating feeling up here mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I feel like an energy ghost or something would fester. You know what's interesting is that it does feel newer and distant up there. But actually, the seventh and eighth floors have the historic rooms. So when mm-hmm. you go online and you look at pictures of the hotel rooms you could be in, if you're between like two and six, you're going to get a room like we had, which was probably, you know, like it looks like it was redone in like the 80s. Sure. But if you're staying on the seventh and eighth floor, it looks much more like an old uh, inn sort of style where it's like really ornate, like turned wood banisters of beds and bird cages and quilts and stuff. There were some... Okay, this was weird. So when I was up there exploring, I noticed that there were some doors that were clearly used to be hotel rooms. So I imagine that maybe like Mm. some of those rooms are bigger, but there are doors there that are like locked, but they have peepholes and they don't have like a doorknob or anything. And it's super like I was like, what is going on? It made me a little uncomfortable. That is weird. I feel like the only reason for that to exist is if they're just completely glued shut and the back of the room has been like busted out. That's why I'm a larger yeah. staff area, but that's creepy. It was weird. <laughs> it's like if you're going to do all of that, like at least just change out the door. Right. Why wouldn't you just make it a wall? But hey, yeah. who am I? Or like a handle with a keypad so it's very clear that this is an employee. For, yeah, staff. Literally put staff only plaque over the peephole. You don't even have to take the peephole out. Right. It made me like feel like something was because I even was like I pushed on it because there was no doorknob. Like it looked like a complete door. 
but the doorknob was just like the flat door and then it had the people. So I was like confused. So I even like pushed through it to be like, could I get in here? Nothing. Oh, you know what? I think I pushed on that exact same door. Was it on the eighth floor? There were a bunch of them. I was pushing on a few because I was trying to figure out what the bees were. (laughs) The only time I was brave was like, got to get to the bees, but I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Oh, also, fun fact that I read about Ship Tavern. So that's the restaurant that serves Mm -hmm. the beer that is made from the honey. It was designed and opened in 1935 as a celebration of the repeal of prohibition in the U.S. So they were like, fuck yeah, we can drink and made a whole tavern for it. I love that. Celebrate it. And I also love that it's like a ship. I don't know why they chose ship for that, but I really, I'm there for it. It's kind of spooky that they chose ship and then Molly Brown had stayed there a couple decades before when the Titanic. Yeah. And then the Molly Brown house is not far away. It's like a mile away from the Brown Palace. Ship is a strange move given that (laughs) it's in the mountains and like (laughs) the valley. There's really cool features in the hotel if you walk around the seventh and eighth floor. There's a bunch of historic photos and whatnot that you can find. And you found when you were walking up the stairs, Sabrina, didn't you see like a plaque that said one mile mile above sea level? Yeah. Yeah. It indicated exactly there. Okay. So my mom was our travel agent while we were on tour for booking hotels. She booked all of our accommodations and she discovered that this place was haunted. So for our very last spot on the road, she had called and said, can I put you in a haunted hotel? And we said, Fuck yeah. And that's how we ended up here. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I'll do it for your last one. I figured this one, if you lose sleep, whatever, you don't have a show the next day. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing happened. We both had really weird dreams, like very similar weird dreams, remember? Yeah. Here, I'll tell part of it because it's, (laughs) they're like not appropriate. They're not. We both had dreams about kind of fearfully having someone exposed their penis to us and the penises were like demogorgons yeah like (laughs) opened up like a demogorgon flower which is so weird that both of us dreamt that and there was no reason for either of us to have like there was no no there was nothing put in our head to think that before no nothing that evening no conversation no interaction no strange imagery. And the fact that we both like, cause I was like, I had a really weird dream and I started telling you mine and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Cause it was like, yours was a person with a Demogorgon penis and mine was almost like a, a creature from, I don't know, a, di- a different planet with a Demogorgon penis. Yeah. But we both had Demogorgon Penises. dicks. <laughs> yeah. And it was very scary. Didn't like seeing that. Nope. No. Anyway, not sure what's going on at that <laughs> hotel, but Implanting weird dreams in our brains. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this place is haunted, which no surprise. I feel like so many hotels are haunted. So many people come and go. It's one of the oldest ones in Denver. And it was also a very popular spot during the gold rush. So as people kind of rushed out west and rushed to California to try to strike it big and get gold and get rich. And when they would go through Colorado, Denver was a popular spot to stop which is actually how this hotel came to be because Henry Brown, the guy who built it, he was one of those guys trying to go get even more rich than he already was out in California. 
So he was traveling from his home in Ohio to California. They stop in Denver. He has his wife with him. And she loves Denver. She doesn't want to go on. And so she says, Mr. Brown, thou may press on to California if such be thy wish, but I shall remain here. <laughs> love her. So she was like, you do you, but this is it for me. And so he was like, oh, well, I love you so much. I guess I already am rich. <laughs> I can just stay here and start my own businesses and open this hotel. And get rich a different way. She's the reason we have the hotel. And get rich a different way. Yeah, exactly. He had his own money problems throughout time, but in the end, everything's fine and dandy for him. Great. So while this is beautiful and dazzling in many ways, a beautiful hotel, there's also some dark history. For there were a few murders here, which we did not know. We did not know that because we didn't look up anything beforehand. No, my mom had told us. I guess we just believed everything my mom had said, which... She had a lot of the stories that were real. I repeated a couple of them to you, but then I didn't tell you everything because I was like, oh, I'm going to do my own research. And she got a lot of the stories, but she omitted the murder part (laughs) when she was telling me. We also asked the woman at the front desk. I was so sleep deprived that I forget what she said. I basically asked. I was like, so is this place haunted? And she was like, yeah, there are a lot of stories. And then she told us like the room 704. Or 904? 904. Yeah. Honestly, I don't remember that conversation at all. (laughs) So sleep deprivation. Yeah. I'm like, did we talk to anyone? I have no idea. It was in my imagination. (laughs) Yeah. You dreamt it. The murders happened in 1911. So suspicious. John W. Springer, he was an attorney and he was a banker in Illinois. Well, he lived in Illinois mostly, but then he also spent a lot of time in Colorado and Texas doing business and, and just buying property and whatnot. He was super successful, very active in politics. I think he was a well-liked guy, you know, shook hands with a bunch of different people. He was rich. He was famous locally, or I guess in the business world. And he also owned a 10,000-acre ranch and farm, which is now Highlands Ranch, Colorado, if anyone knows the area. 10,000 acres. Could you imagine? Huge. You don't have neighbors. I mean, the fact that now it's an entire, like, town. Yeah, it's literally an entire suburb. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. So he had a lot going on for him. Life was pretty good. But unfortunately, his wife, Eliza, they had been together. They had two children. One of their children had passed. And then Eliza got really sick. She got tuberculosis. And so they actually moved to Denver for her health from Illinois to just be a little bit warmer, could just spend more time outside in some fresh air. So they moved there. And then in 1904, Eliza passed away. Their surviving daughter, Annie, was She was the only one John had left. And so despite all of the fortune and luck and business and whatnot that he had, he still had had a tough go at life. Yeah. So two years after his wife Eliza's death, John Springer, he meets a woman. And this woman is named Isabel Patterson Folk. And she's very beautiful. She's very charming. She's very lively. She was described as, quote, an audacious young woman who developed an addiction for nightlife, narcotics, and adventure. So she was exciting. I feel like I shouldn't trust her. It's hard because it's like, it's one of those things where like, she's not painted in a good light here. I will say that. Her reputation never recovered. And it's one of those things where it's like, we only hear one side of the story. Eek, I'm nervous. I like, I, I, whoa, my physical body is reacting to this story. Because I know that ends in a murder and I don't know who or what is going to happen. Okay. So I'm, okay. 
Here I am listening. It'll surprise you. Okay. This is like a twist because it's not who you think it is. Okay. Because you have two suspects right now and it's not going to be what you think. Okay. So Isabel was very exciting. You know, she's got a lot going on. She's also 20 years younger. You know, she's got some energy to her and Mm -hmm. she's doing all these things that can be viewed as kind of wild and she's She's having a ton of fun and she's out all the time. She's living her life and John is just infatuated by her. He falls in love with her. Only problem is she's married. But it doesn't matter because Isabel, she falls in love with John as well. So she is like, I'm going to get this squared away. She returns home to St. Louis and she divorces her husband. And then she and John are married two years later in St. Louis, three days after she officially received the divorce papers as confirmed being divorced. Wow, they got married very quickly. Well, it took two years for the divorce to actually okay, okay. go through. So they had been dating for basically two years. And yeah, then, then three days after it was confirmed, they got married. Gotcha. So they had a ceremony, then they had a wedding luncheon, and then they hopped on a train in St. Louis and they headed for Denver because they were like, now we can officially start our lives together as a married couple and we can live on your ranch, John's 10,000 acre ranch. Where is Annie at this point? With them. Okay. So she lives with her dad. So this whole time she's there. This is basically her new, Isabel's her stepmom. I have a theory. Do you want to present it? Did Annie get a perm and go take a shower? <laughs> and, and kill her dad? No. I was thinking killing the stepmom. Oh, kill the stepmom? No. She, oh. No, she did not. Okay. She did not get her hair wet within 48 hours of <laughs> <her> perm. <laughs> so they moved to the ranch and Isabel, she was an extremely social woman. And so it's really hard on her going from a life of socializing all the time with her friends and being out and visiting different restaurants and bars and dancing and chatting to just having no neighbors and being alone on this huge ranch. And so John, he's trying to be a good husband, or at least it's painted as such in in the records that I was reading. And he's like, you know what? I totally get it. I don't want for your lifestyle to suffer because now we're living on this ranch that I had chosen without you before we met. Right. So I'm going to do what I feel is right with all of the money and the funds that I have. And I'm going to rent out a suite at the Brown Palace Hotel so that you can just have basically like an apartment. You can have this hotel suite to stay in whenever you want. So you go out, party with your friends. It's too late. Go crash at the hotel. Who cares? That's very generous. Very generous. Yeah. So he was really trying to do what he could to to kind of like fit himself into her life. Right. And support her wishes of what life she wanted to live. Exactly. Unfortunately, there's a warning that I shouldn't say what I'm going to say. The REM pod's going off an awful lot. I don't know. Or it's like it's down for supporting the lifestyle you want to live? Well, John, I don't really know anything about their relationship. I don't know Isabel's perspective on their relationship at all. So it's hard to to say because who knows what's going on behind closed doors. But she did partake in a lot of drugs and definitely had some addiction problems. Mm. And she was very flirtatious and very promiscuous. And that kind of went on to just like full on having affairs. So John's father-in-law from his first marriage, so his late wife's father, yeah, Colonel William E. Hughes, he was a big guy around town in Dallas. He hears about what's going on. And he's like, nope, I'm getting my granddaughter out of this situation. I do not want 
Annie living with this kind of like chaotic, tumultuous relationship to look at. Like this is not any place for a young girl to be. So he basically goes to court, gets custody of Annie, brings Annie back to St. Louis with him, sells off every single investment he had associated with John, just basically like severed ties, was like, I'm taking your kid, my granddaughter, and I'm ditching any financial strings I had with you. And so this hurts John a lot because they had different investments together and like different businesses and whatnot. And so emotionally, fiscally, like John's kind of fucked. John's looking kind of suspicious at this point of the story, right? Like you kind of think that maybe he would be the killer. You're really taking us for a wild ride. He's not. (laughs) John is not the murderer. So John, he goes and he's working. He's working harder than ever before because he's trying to recoup some of the lost investments. And so he travels a lot on business. And Isabel, sometimes she would travel with him, but sometimes she'd stay back at the ranch. And she would utilize that time to entertain some of her other lovers. Mm-hmm. One of John's business partners, Harold, would stay at the ranch with her when John was gone. And by the way, like there's all these rumors about her being flirtatious and like rumors about her sleeping with other people. But John doesn't have any proof. I think he's kind of like rose-colored glasses, like la, 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 la. Yeah. Doesn't believe any of it. For all, he's willing to admit they're in a very happy relationship together. So one of John's business partners, Harold, he starts to sleep with Isabel and have a relationship. And it's a growing relationship. They feel very fondly for one another. But Isabel also has another lover, and that lover's in St. Louis. His name is Tony. And Isabel, she would sometimes travel with John on work trips to St. Louis and then stay a few extra days. (laughs) be with Tony. Man. They would write letters, secret letters back and forth. And it got to a point where she really wanted to break things off. She was like, I don't think that this is a good relationship for me. I think I need to break up with Tony. But he was threatening her. And he was like, well, I have all of our secret love letters. I'm going to expose you and our relationship. Your husband's going to find out. So she was really stressed. And she's staying at her place at the Brown Palace Hotel. And so she calls John's business partner slash her secret lover, Harold, and is like, hey, I need help. This guy, Tony, he's coming to visit me in Denver, but he won't let me break up with him and he's threatening me. So Harold's like, don't worry. Boop. Shoots him. Kills Tony in the Brown Palace Hotel. I have no idea how many words were exchanged, but it seems like it was a pretty quick situation where he's killed, and then unfortunately there was an innocent bystander in the hotel's marble bar who was also struck by a bullet and killed in the process. Jeez. John didn't die. Isabel didn't die. Tony died. And an innocent man who was at the bar died. Whoa. Yeah. The murders resulted in a very public trial. John obviously found out about Isabel's affairs. And he filed for divorce one day after the murders and finding out the reason behind it. Wow. Part of the divorce agreement was that Isabel had to leave Denver permanently and forever. So she could not come back. And so she left. She got on a train. She dipped out. She passed away in Chicago six years later. John lived a much longer time after that than he did eventually remarry. That is intense. So two people died at the Brown Palace Hotel, like down in the the lobby area. 
basically in the lobby in the marble bar. Wow. Right there where we watched all the Christmas cheer and the champagne be poured. (laughs) Severed open. Yeah. Wow. It is kind of horrifying when you hear the dark history and then you kind of it doesn't feel fair to completely abandon spaces just because something horrific happened. Like you want to bring life and good memories into a space, but also part of me is like, oh God, it does feel weird just like continuing on with life when someone has lost theirs right here. I mean, that's why there's all these stories of like residual energy and the stains because Mm. like things like that leave a mark. True. So you would think that there was a haunting mark here, but oddly enough, none of these people haunt (laughs) this hotel. Okay. So despite the tragedy, these are not the ghosts. (laughs) Only their legacies haunt this hotel. (laughs) Okay. But given that the hotel is so historic for Denver, it also is in this triangular shape. So it has a lot of nooks and crannies and little offshoots and whatnot. There's many hiding spots for spirits. Mm -hmm. And the Brown Palace Club is a go-to spot for these ghosts because everyone likes to have fun, whether they're dead or alive. (laughs) Which I didn't even notice the club while we were there. Like party club? Yeah, there's a club club. I saw like up on the second floor, there was like a long hallway to what I thought was like a ballroom situation. Is it that? I feel like we barely even explored the hotel, even though we felt like we did, because there's so many different spots in this hotel that are listed as like hot spots for spirits. And I'm like, where the hell is that? I don't remember that. My goodness. But apparently there's a club. Okay. And that's where the spirits are. Visitors report lights turning on and off on their own. They've also witnessed what appears to be something crawling underneath the rug. Oh. Which that's the haunting my mom told me. She's like, are you okay? I don't think there's many things happening here. I think it's all pretty benign. Sometimes people see something crawling under a rug, but it shouldn't be too scary. (laughs) Is that like a rat? Like a... I don't know. A ghost Yeah, it's not like human-sized. It's smaller. It must be a ghost animal. I kind of love that because you hear about like ghost cats, ghost dogs, but like there's got to be ghost rats. Ghost rats. Especially in New York. Where are all of them hiding? I don't know. But apparently this rug situation only happens in the club. (laughs) So something's trying to trip everyone who's around and having a good time. The club. Many people have also spotted a man wearing a dark suit or a uniform of some kind. He's a cap on and he's standing at the club entrance. So initially you'd think like, oh, is this an old bouncer or someone who really enjoyed going to the club or something? Like he has a uniform on though, so it's a little bit confusing. But people started to realize that he really looks like an old-fashioned railroad conductor. Oh. And they were like, this is weird because he looks like he's of flesh and bone. Like he looks like a real guy when you walk up to him. But then as people approach him, he starts to float away. So he doesn't walk. He floats down the hallway and then he goes down to the ground floor And then he disappears into a wall in the corner of the hotel. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe he just really liked the hotel. Perhaps. But I think people actually figured it out. Because originally, when the hotel was built, on the ground floor, there were a bunch of retail shops and businesses. And it just kind of like encircled, like the lobby was encircled by these things. And one of the businesses in there was the Rock Island Railroad Ticket Office. And it was in the exact corner that this man disappears into. Wow. So I wonder if the employees had to dress up almost like a railroad conductor, like when they sold tickets or whatever. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Also, now I'm like, I just want to envision what this place looked like back then. Because 
it's hard for me to picture like all these little like businesses set up. Like I that. know. I was looking at some of the historic photos and it really looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's like there's just so many little pockets too yeah. that it's, it doesn't even look that different in photos. Right. It's just you really have to walk around and find the things. But it is interesting because like if you think about today, a lot of people for business meetings, you'll go get coffee, you'll get lunch, whatnot. But I feel like back in the day when there were less options of places to go. And I imagine a place like the Brown Palace Hotel, I mean, considering the Broncos, like, you know, the partnership was like created in that lobby, that I feel like so many business meetings and life ongoings were happening sure. in the lobby. Like, whereas now hotels oh, yeah. are very much like travel, stay there. It's less of a meeting place. Yeah, it's in and out. If people are at the bar together, they're yeah. probably already with a business partner or something, you know? Right. Apparently, people really liked this hotel. They must have because there's another spectral employee that's spotted there. He's dressed as a waiter and he hangs out at the service elevator. So there's two employees that we know of, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other spirits too in the hotel. This is the only sad one. People have heard a baby crying in the boiler room. Oh. Yeah. What? I don't know what that's about. Either it's very sad and someone left a baby in the boiler room, or it's really terrifying because it's like a dark spirit pretending to be a baby to lure people into the boiler room. Which the boiler room does seem like a spot that a demon would hang out. Absolutely. It agrees. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. Bless you. Quick, bless me one more time. I bless you. <laughs> Before they come and get me. Man, this REM pod's making things more interesting. It is, but I'm like so confused by it because it doesn't seem like there's any pattern to it going off. I know. Should I put the ghost cat? Should I put the cat near it? Oh, well, that's my hand. <laughs> that was my hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Motion. Motion triggers it. It's so cute, the little ghost cat. What if Raggedy Andy's head just like slowly turns or someone sees him blink in the middle of this episode he doesn't even have eyelids that would be very terrifying so the baby crying in the boiler room that is very sad but there are children that are having a great time because people have spotted children happily running around the halls oh and they're not human children they're well they're they were at one point they're yeah. spectral children it's very clear that they're spirits when they're seen and i think that perhaps some of these people stay here because they lived here, because this was a place that people took up long-term residences, mm. just like Isabel had when John got her her suite. Yeah, There were some other people that just spent a really long time here, which I don't understand how people can afford that. If rooms are $3 a night, maybe it's a little bit <laughs> different. I don't know. I mean, I think about also the Chelsea Hotel in New York City, which had permanent residence. Like it was a hotel slash pe there were mm -hmm. certain people who had worked out situations where they had permanent residencies. Yeah. It can't be the the daily rate then that these people yeah. are paying. I'm not sure. It's got to be something else. Someone who works right? for a hotel, let us know. Zach and Cody. Dylan and Cole Sweet Sprouse, life. please let us know. <laughs> and you're watching Disney Channel. Should I move it somewhere else? I don't know. Yeah. Let's give it a test. Okay, different shelf. Let's see what happens. Yeah. One of the people who had a long-term residence at this hotel was Denver socialite Louise Hill.
And Louise, she lived in the notorious haunted room, room 904. She lived here from 1940 to 1955. It was not haunted at the time. She is the one that makes it haunted now. That makes sense. Just to be clear. So for 15 years, she lived here. She would host these parties, these card games, and they were extremely exclusive. So it was like if you wanted to go to one of these parties, if you wanted to go to a card game and gamble a little bit, you basically had to be one of the wealthiest people in Denver to even have a chance of her inviting you. I really love that there's some strong female narratives happening at this hotel, like Mm, mm -hmm. women who are like kind of in control of their lives in the sense of like, I know what I want. I'm not going to let a man rule my life and I'm going to do as I wish. I kind of love that. Yeah. And they live here. They live at the hotel too. They're like ruling the hotel. Yeah. I saw a poster actually. I don't know if it was a poster or if it was a book, but it was basically, I think the title of it was like, the women of the Brown Palace Hotel or oh, something like it was cool. it was something like that. I didn't click on it because it came up when I was looking for a totally different picture. <laughs> but I do wonder if someone wrote a book about all of the women who came through. I mean, even think about it. Like the hotel exists because one of the women was like, hey, I know our family yeah. plan was to go to California, but I'm not. So, so you do you, you but do I'll you. be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like literally everybody is I really <laughs> involved like in this area. Yeah. Despite having a very thriving social life. Louise also had a huge heartbreak and she basically, some people said it was unrequited love. Some people just said she had her heart broken, but whatever the story was, which I couldn't quite see exactly what happened. Not that it feels like it's any of my business, (laughs) Louise, but she really did suffer from a broken heart. It just like ached in her and it basically is the reason she passed, people say. Like it was Something that she never really recovered from. That's sad. And when she did pass, she passed in the hotel. She apparently passed in the bathroom. And after she had passed away and the hotel had obviously like turned this into a hotel room for people to just stay in, hauntings started to happen. And one of the first things that happened was the hotel began to do these kind of historic tours. And they would bring tour groups through and they would tell a bit about the history of the hotel. Part of that history was about Louise because she's one of the people that stayed there for 15 years and then she also passed away there. So part of her life was being talked about during this tour and they discussed her heartbreak and she must have not liked that invasion of privacy because the switchboard suddenly began receiving calls from room 904. Stop. That is so cool. The room at the time was completely vacant It was actually more than vacant. It was under construction. It was being renovated. So there was no furniture. There like wasn't even wallpaper. There was certainly no telephone. So no one was in that room. And there was no way to receive a call from that room. So every time the switchboard got a call, someone from the staff would answer it and it would just be static on the other end. That is so cool. I think it's great. She's like, hey, 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 hey. You can tell part of my story, but not that part. Right. Leave that part alone. (laughs) I was reading some of the TripAdvisor reviews too, and I read a couple about hauntings here. And I think some of them are actually associated with Luis. One of them was that a guy brought his wife there and never told her that it was haunted at all because he didn't want to spook her. And the next day when they woke up, she just complained. It was really annoyed that someone was playing cards like right outside their door or in the next room, like, all night, just, like, shuffling cards. And she had her poker games. And I have no clue what room that they were in, but I feel like they must have been in Louise's room. 
That is so cool. I am picturing like a ghostly poker night. Lots of cigarettes, dark, moody lighting. That's basically a scene from American Horror Story Hotel. With It was like the first time we saw Lady Gaga, right? Where she's like the vampire. And it's all the... Isn't like H.H. Holmes in it or something like that? I don't know. It's all the spirits that come back for like a dinner party once a year or something. Why did I think that was like um, during the New Orleans one, like when they're searching for the axe man? But I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm getting confused. I could be weak. I don't know. How do I know anything? (laughs) How many seasons of AHS are there? There's a lot. Oh, actually, this reminds me. So the woman that I asked about hauntings at the front desk. Oh, you know what? Maybe you weren't there. Maybe you were waiting for the Uber or something because... I had asked her if they do ghost tours, and she said every October they have ghost tours that they offer throughout the month. But then you can also reach out to them and like book a ghost tour any time of the year. You just have to like pre book it, and it's like a private oh, tour. That's very cool. I appreciate that they're accepting of their yeah. haunted history. Yeah, me too. I also read another review that said that one of the members of the Bell staff had told someone who was staying there that every time he passes Luis's room, he blesses it because he feels bad for her and he's trying to, you know, create like a good positive space so that hopefully she could be less heartbroken and move on. That's really sweet. Another room is subject to ghostly hauntings as well. And that is the San Marco room, which is the dining room, which I'm 99% sure, isn't that where they serve breakfast? I think I sat in it. Yeah, I had breakfast there too. I think so. That makes sense. Because when I was looking at pictures online, I'm like, I'm fairly certain this is the same room. Yeah. So back in the day, there were these bands that were brought in to play for the dinner crowd. But there was this one band, the San Marco Strings, that everyone loved. Mm. And so there's almost like this petition to have them be like the permanent band who would play here. Oh, that's and cool. so it worked. And they were just like, that was that was them. When you came to dinner at the brown palace hotel you'd probably be seeing this band play and apparently they're still hanging around because one evening an employee of the hotel heard music coming from an empty room and knowing that this room was supposed to be empty and that there shouldn't be anyone in it they went to investigate and the guy opens the door and he sees all of these musicians dressed in formal wear from it feels like a long time ago and they're warming up their instruments like they're getting ready to perform and practicing and the employee's like hey hi, you're not supposed to be here. And one of the band members looks at him and replies, oh, don't worry about us. We live here. (laughs) Stop. And then shortly after that statement, they disappear. That is the coolest freaking haunting. Yes. Don't worry about us. We live here. There's a whole other world of things that is happening. I know. On the other side of this hotel. And that is so magical. It's so cool. And yeah, just to think about how many people were residents and then might still be residents there or just decided to stay permanently and that it does seem like it all seems like a conscious haunting, doesn't it? It does. Where they're all just kind of like hanging out still together. I love it. I'm not saying I want to die, but I want to just, (laughs) I just want to like go experience that for a minute. I just want to go be with the other side for a second at the Brown Palace Hotel and just See what it's like. It just sounds so magical. Maybe in the astral plane you can. Or when you do eventually die, just try to remember that you wanted to go there. (laughs) Pop over for a minute. There's so many places. You won't remember it in your next life, but in the moment it will be magical. 
Yeah. So basically, it seems like these are all pretty benign hauntings and people stay there because they love it. Yeah. And there is something kind of magical about it. Oh, there's another. <laughs> Did you raise your hand? Me. Pick on me. One more I thing. another thing to say. <laughs> I feel like this adds to the, kind of like the warm, loving party atmosphere that exists here in the astral realm because apparently there's been numerous sightings of a very well-dressed man in a suit from the 1920s, like evening clothes, and he is shaking a martini and then he just disappears into the wall. So there's a bartender on site for these spirits. They're never going to leave. Why would you? It literally seems like a dream. It does. It seems like he is one of the most frequent sightings too. He's always shaking those martinis. He's making a lot of drinks. Order up. Wow. I bet he makes the best martini. Oh my God. Yeah. Got a lot of practice. It's got to be strong. Oh, yeah. Too. Woo. To your point, when you said that they do ghost tours, I was also reading, I don't know if this is still a thing, but I found multiple articles from previous years. The most recent that I could find was 2019. So I don't know if post pandemic it's come back, but they used to have something called the haunted happy hour where they would have different themes. It was kind of like a Halloween party and they would serve food with all like spooky names, you know, like bat wings and different things like that. And then they would have paranormal investigators come in and guide you through the history and just like do actual paranormal investigative tours on site. They don't do this anymore? I couldn't find anything after 2019, so I have no idea. I want to do that. That's so cool. I know. They should bring it back. Petition to bring it back. It does sound awesome. (laughs) Petition to bring it back. Should we be the investigators that they bring? (laughs) You know, I think give us another year of like doing some investigation. Yeah, we got to go to a few more places. We can then call ourselves investigators. Yeah. Right. (laughs) One and done. We're pros. (laughs) So to wrap this up, if you would like to go stay at the Brown Palace Hotel, it is a good time. Great time. But beware, there are spirits wandering around, sharing your room, hitting up the club, and just looking to feel alive again. And they might make you dream of weird, strange, demogorgon-like penises. <laughs> demogorgon dicks. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the weird. It's I feel like that's so the only weird. time you and I have ever discovered, too, that we had the exact same dream. And it being almost like a sci-fi dream yeah. is even stranger. Because for the most part, like, both of our dreams were sci-fi-y, but the dreams were very different. Yeah. But the thing we remembered from the dream was the demogorgon dick. Oh. Yeah. Nasty. I love the Brown Palace Hotel. And so does Taylor Swift. (laughs) If she's ever been there. It was a great place to end our tour and like stay at. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really nice. And that venue that we went to after, that was the best way to end. Cervantes Theater. Yeah, we did a whole investigation with like all of the staff. They were so down to go wander around. We barely honestly made it to our show on time. When we came down from the investigation, because someone was like, oh, shit, time check. Like, (laughs) I got to go open the doors or, like, help open the doors. And there were people filing into the room when we got down with our equipment. We're like, oh, got to put this on stage again. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we haven't even put Sven out. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That was really fun. Denver is haunted. Very. But everywhere is haunted. I think I have a story from someone from Denver. Let's see. I have a story from our listener, Morgan. And it is called The Ghost of the Traveling Trunk? Question mark. Hi, ladies. I'm finally sending an email with some of my experiences for you. It all happened in my childhood bedroom at my parents' house. 
Every experience is many years apart, but always equally as traumatizing and usually always happening around 3.03 a.m. Oh, God. Why is it always that time? When I was in high school, I started to experience weird things. Little things. I always knew I am very susceptible to other people's energies since my nana, mom, and older sister are also just like me. I often won't be able to be next to someone who has quote-unquote bad energy without wanting to vomit or getting dizzy. Fun times. Mm. Good thing, though, that there are more good people than bad. So one evening when I was roughly 16 years old, I was in my room getting ready for bed for the evening. I always brushed my hair in my room, set my hairbrush down on my dresser where my makeup was when I was done. And when I was finished brushing my hair, I would close my door, turn off my light, and crawl into bed. After approximately 10 minutes of trying to sleep, I hit the point where I was about to be out like a light for the evening when I heard an obnoxious bang. It jolted me awake. At the time, I thought it was my dad above me because my room was in the basement below his office and maybe he had dropped something. I knew he was working earlier that evening, so I wrote it off. Upon waking up in the morning, I turned my light on to find my hairbrush on the floor on the other side of my room where my dresser is. Turns out that bang that I heard was actually my hairbrush flying across my room off my dresser and hitting the wall. My God. I feel like I picture two different things. I picture like a dark energy being upset and wanting to scare her and like grabbing it and throwing it to be menacing. But then I also picture a girl who's trying to just sit there and get her hair right and it's just not working out. And she's like, ah, and just chucks it out of frustration. Just wait for this. Okay. Another time, I was sleeping and was abruptly woken up by a man whispering in my ear, you're beautiful. Ew. (laughs) That's kind of sad that like that's my visceral reaction. Third scenario, (laughs) man pulling her hair out of the hairbrush and like trying to keep it for himself. Oh, God. I woke up in a breathy panic to see a man with dark hair and dark features standing above my face, smiling, saying, hi. (laughs) I screamed and threw the covers over my head, panting and trying to rationalize what just happened. First of all, who the fuck was that? And why is he in my room? And at first I thought it was my dad because of the dark hair. But I realized after compartmentalizing the situation that my dad didn't have facial hair like this man had. And because I slept with my door shut. I knew it was for sure not my dad because my door was still closed. This feels like a YA novel about a romance that's starting to occur between a ghost. What was that book we read? How to Hang a Witch. This feels like How to Hang a Witch. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Another evening, this ghost came back and was disturbed and pacing back and forth in my room as if he needed to be somewhere and couldn't figure out how to get there. I only ever saw him pace like this once. However, not too many months after this, I had an out-of-body dream where I was watching myself sleep from within my ceiling. When I woke up freaking out from watching myself, I realized I was in the same position and wearing the same thing from how I saw myself in my dream. Mm. She was like projecting above her body looking down at herself. Mm -hmm. Astral projection. Lastly, I was in university at the time of this incident. I was alone in my room once again with the door shut. I was lying in my bed relaxing, watching a movie on my iPad while drinking water out of one of those protein shaker bottles. I took a little whisk ball out because I didn't need it and I set it on my dresser across my room. While I was watching the movie, I went to take a sip of water from my bottle only to look upwards because in my peripheral, I caught movement in my room ahead of me. I looked up to see that whisk ball from my water bottle 
was bouncing on top of my dresser. I instantly froze and grabbed my phone while watching it to text my dad to come downstairs immediately and help me because there is a ghost in my room. (laughs) The bouncing stopped and he came downstairs to tell me I was being ridiculous. He even brought my family dog to try and save me. And after my dad left my room, my dog just sat there with me but wouldn't move or blink. He stared into this full body mirror I had just staring and staring and staring. Well, I guess that's great because now you know exactly where they're coming from. Portal Portal. identified. Even after I called his name numerous times to come sit in my bed, he just stayed there staring. Eventually, he started crying and whimpering and ran out of my room shortly thereafter. Oh, no. Poor baby. My dad tried to tell my mom about it later, saying that I'm silly and have an active imagination. But thank goodness my mother believed me because the ghost or energy that my parents' house has did eventually reveal himself to my dad when I moved out by slamming a door on him. He's like, why did you let the love of my life go? Slams the door. My dad still, to this day, won't admit it was anything more than the wind. Ha ha. Okay. There were times that my mom or myself would come home from somewhere and my photos that were hung up in the dining room had fallen and shattered off of the walls. Another time, I was sitting on the couch and a picture frame of my high school graduation plummeted on top of my head from a shelf above the couch. I don't understand why me out of anyone in my family, but I've recently come to the plausible explanation that it could be from an old trunk that I inherited from my great Swedish grandpa. His sister, my great great auntie, had an old trunk that she took everywhere with her. It was beautiful and I was happy to have it in my room. But I just recently found out that it used to belong to a man my great-great-auntie knew back in the early 1900s and was given to her for her travels from Sweden to Denver. So maybe this is the man who woke me up in the middle of the night? I would not be surprised, and I am now attempting to find a photo of this man to see if there's any correlation to my experience. I hope this wasn't too long. Thank you for being awesome and always managing to give me those craved goosebumps. Cheers, Morgan. Morgan, not many people can say that they were haunted by a ghost who had a crush on them, but you can. (laughs) I'm also really curious about, so if it is connected to the man who gave the trunk to her great-great-aunt, what if this man had a crush on her great-great-aunt, gave it to her, and what if Morgan looks like the great-great-aunt? Oh my god, she probably does. She needs to find a photo of... God, it would probably be so difficult to find. But that would be incredible if she could find a photo and see how similar they look. You're beautiful. And then she wakes up and he's staring there and he's like, hi, like so happy that she woke up. and so happy they can talk. Maybe he's confused. Maybe he thinks it is her. Right. Or it's his second chance at love. Like he thinks the world gave, the universe gifted him this woman who looks like someone who he loved so much before. And it's his next chance and he's just trying so hard and failing. I really want to see a picture of this trunk. I think it's so cool. As I've gotten older, I'm like so, I feel like there are so many things that I didn't appreciate as much of like my grandparents' furniture and stuff. But now Mm -hmm. in my elder years, I'm just, I love. In your middle age. In my old age. I really appreciate antiques like that specifically from ancestors. And I don't really Mm -hmm. have any. But I have old photographs, which I really, really love. But I think having a trunk like that is so cool. I have a trunk. I have a trunk. 
yes. from my great uncle Dickie. And it was gifted to me as a wedding gift this past year from his son, who knew how much I loved Dickie and that I would love a trunk because he was a collector. He had an antique store when he was alive. And he would find these old antique trunks and he would kind of restore them and bring them back to life a bit. So I have one. That's so cool. Just yeah. a real quick tangent. Could you imagine how difficult it was to travel with trunks back in the day? I can barely lift one without anything in it. Right? They're heavy. They're long and awkward. They don't wheel. How do you transport that? I don't know how people did it. A little leather briefcase, I understand. Sure. But I don't understand the trunks. Me neither. Maybe the people that had the really big, heavy trunks are the same people that didn't have to lift it. They had someone else do it for them. Maybe that's the answer. Just have a lot of money. That's the answer. It doesn't affect them. So (laughs) still packing things in the trunk. I guess trunk is a wrong word for what I have. I have a chest. I have like a giant wood chest. It is heavy. Okay. I think I'm picturing. I don't think you could pack that. Oh. Yeah, I guess they're... They're a little synonymous. Well, oh, I get what you're saying. Is it the one with like the rounded top a little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like a treasure chest. Yeah. <laughs> like I imagine someone's like old wedding gown is stuffed in that chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. One of the things that I have on my to-do list in the next year is I really want to sign up for Ancestry.com and do all of my ancestral line. <sighs> Simultaneously, my grandma has a ton of photos of our ancestors. And I've been meaning to go through all those photos with her to figure out who people are. And so I feel like if I do the two projects at the same time, I can upload all the pictures to Ancestry.com of those people. So then all of my relatives from that side will also have all of that as record keeping. I love that. Actually, I think my aunt is doing something like that. So I should ask her about it because I would love to do the same thing. You could probably just log into her account or something and look at your... I think she's doing it manually. She doesn't Oh, have... she's not doing it through Ancestry or one of those sites? No, she's basically like communicating with like every relative and like finding out as much <sighs> as they know about their family lines. But like I've told you before, my dad's lineage is very, very secretive. So I would mm-hmm. love to know more. Hey, they sift through records. The internet doesn't lie. Yeah. Let's both do it. Let's help each other out. We'll do it at the same time. So then if we're confused about finding documents will help each other great and then we can make a book of the dead for our families hell yeah hell yeah it just reminds me of my dad brought it up the other day the little black book that my family had it was on my grammy's side and he was like i need to go ask your uncle ricky about it again because he couldn't remember all the details about like why this book was so cursed and what it did to the family and how it disappeared or was gotten rid of but it's like it's this spooky thing that he can't remember any details about anymore and i'm like "Ah, i need to know everything i want to know everything selfishly i know well we've got a lot of our on our to-do list for 2024 (laughs) great start tracking down not only ghost stories but uh relics of our past and then if you have any family secrets or curses and things and trunks and antiques please email us all about it in any of your ghost stories please email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And a reminder, if you are on Patreon, you are going to be getting all episodes of two girls, one ghost one week early and ad free on Patreon. Our Patreon tier, we have one tier now. So like you just sign up, mm-hmm. you get everything, including one extra episode a month. That's only on Patreon. Yeah. Woo-woo. Yeah. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. <laughs> so woo woo. 
like they do in The Sims and hopefully not with a Demogorgon penis and (laughs) support us. Please rate and review us too on iTunes. It's really important. It does help us. It does help. It really does. And helps other people find us and other people get lost in the triangle and join the pyramid scheme. Shout out to Jamie, our producer, editor. You're amazing. And shout out to all of you for listening. Thank you. We love you. We love you. And we will see you on the other side. Bye.